Let's get into the Word today. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. If you're following along in those pew Bibles, it is page 1029. We are looking at the letter to the church in Philadelphia. When I was just a young lad and began attending church at Kansas Christian Church, one of the first sermons I ever remember hearing was on this text about the letter to the church in Philadelphia. And as, an, as a very young child, I thought to myself, the book, this Bible is amazing. This is so definitely the Word of God. I mean, that book was written about 1,700 years before the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania existed how did they know? How did they know there was going to be a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Little did I know at the time, but there was actually another Philadelphia in the ancient world. Isn't that sad though that they didn't have Philly beef and cheese sandwiches back then to be known for? They, they didn't have those things. This was another Philadelphia. This one was about 25 miles southeast of Sardis, the town that we looked at last week. Philadelphia was located on a main highway, a main thoroughfare. It was a very important city. It was a fortress city. It was a very strong and proud city. Or it had been anyway. In A.D. 17, when Jesus was about 17 years old, an earthquake happened in Philadelphia. It was the worst earthquake of their time. And in that fortress city, of Philadelphia, the buildings began collapsing. The columns began collapsing. This is some of the ruins of the city of Philadelphia right there. And as the buildings collapsed, they were falling on people and killing them. Where were they going to go for security? They couldn't trust anything in that city. And so the people ran out into the open. They ran out into the wide open areas. That was the only place that they were safe. That fear continued to plague the people of Philadelphia. What if there was another earthquake? What if our city were to crumble around us again? And so a lot of people stopped living in the city. And they began building homes in small rural communities around the city. Philadelphia developed suburbs. Little communities here and there. Also, in those days, the Roman government came in, and as governments want to do, they had a disaster relief program, and they decided they would rebuild Philadelphia for Philadelphia. So they rebuilt the city, and the Roman government was so proud of what they rebuilt that they said, you know what, we're not going to call this Philadelphia anymore, and the parts of the city that were rebuilt, they renamed them Neo-Caesarea, which meant New Caesar. They were so proud of that of those rebuildings so the city is disjointed people aren't living in the city they're living in fear they're living in mistrust they are spread out in all of these little communities around the city and on top of that what's the name of our city are we philadelphia are we new caesar who are we that is the community and the context into which jesus is speaking when we read the letter to the church in Philadelphia, beginning in verse 7 of Revelation 3. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, who opens, 
and no one will shut. Who shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, those who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of my city, the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The letter to Philadelphia is unique. Like the letter to Smyrna, if you remember that letter, there's no rebuke in this letter. The only two letters out of the seven uh, that have no rebuke are the letter to Smyrna and the letter to Philadelphia. There is no passage in this letter where Jesus says, I have this against you. We see that in every other letter. I have this against you. I have that against you. He doesn't have that here. But He warns them, your world is changing and things are going to get difficult, but I want you to hold fast. That is the command given in verse 11. Hold fast. And the lesson for us, the lesson for the church, the lesson for those of us who have ears to hear, is that it is vital for us to understand who we are as a church and why we are here for ourselves and for the people around us. We need to be able to answer the question, what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of the church? Now that is a question that every one of us should be able to answer. And I don't just mean every one of us here. I mean every Christian in every church around the world ought to be able to answer the question, what is the mission of the church? We have the same purpose. We've had it for 2,000 years now. The same reason for being. The Bible spells it out very clearly. In Jesus' own words, in, in Matthew chapter 28, just before He returns to the Father, verses 18-20, through 20, Jesus says, "...all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me." Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and commanding them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the end of the age. Those are our marching orders. That's the Great Commission. That is the mission of the church to make disciples, to lead people to Jesus, to teach them how to follow Him. That has to come first before anything that we do. And anything that we do, that has to be at the center of what we do. Whether it's a youth group meeting, whether it's a Bible study, ladies' Bible study, like we're getting ready to start back up again, whether it's uh, whether it was an exercise class, we've held some of those here, uh, whether it's a men's breakfast, uh, making Christ known has to be at the center of everything. The question we have to ask is, can we use this time, can we use this event to point people to Jesus. Can we make Him known through this? Verse 8, He says, Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. What's He talking about? That open door is our mission of bringing people to Jesus. Again, Matthew 28, all authority has been given 
to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And here, I have an open door that no one is able to shut. What authority can stand against that open door? Now, historically, the people of Philadelphia caught on to this in a way that none of those other churches did. Philadelphia became the first missionary church. It was sending missionaries out and spreading the Gospel all over their, all over their world. They caught hold of this in a very unique way. But that same open door is available for us. Even us. Even here in Kansas. You notice what he says in verse 8? <clears throat> Second half of verse 8, he says, he says, I know that you have but little power. I know that you're not a, a big church. I know you're not a powerful church. I know you don't have everything all the other people have. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You hear that? It's not about how big we are. It's not about how powerful we are, what kind of resources we have. It's about our faithfulness and our trust that the door that Jesus opened for us remains open. The mission of the church. The call to make disciples. That never changes. Whether it's 1st century Philadelphia or 21st century Philadelphia, Pennsylvania or 21st century Kansas, Illinois. We are in the business of bringing people to Jesus. That's what we do. Now knowing that, and knowing the power behind that, that there is an open door that no one can shut, that should empower us. That should encourage us to complete the mission that Jesus has tasked us with. And with that mission and on the forefront of everything that we do, we are enabled to focus our vision behind our mission. <coughs> we need to focus our vision behind our mission. We need to understand the difference between those two words. A lot of people don't. Mission and vision. Mission is what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. That's universal. That is unchanging. That is something we always do. Vision, however, is how we see that mission being accomplished today. In our community, in our church, with our talent and abilities that we have today, what is the vision for how we are going to make disciples? Look at verses 9 and 10. He says, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. In other words, there were those that were opposing what the church was doing. He says, Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. Why? Because we're special? Because we're powerful? Because there's something great about us? No. They will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. <coughs> Our world, our community, needs to see there's something different about us. Something different in the way that we live. Something different in the way that we love people. So the vision is, how can they see that today? How can we show them that we have a specific plan for here and now? How can we show them in a very easy and memorable way that we have a vision for the church? Something simple, something succinct, maybe only about three words long, that we have a vision for how we complete our mission. Can anyone guess how we might do that? That's why we put these in front of you every week. That's why this is on everything that we produce from a bulletin to a website. Gather, grow, serve. It's that simple. We believe if we hold to that, gather, grow, serve, if we continue with that as our vision, 
that it will tell people who we are and what we are about. So you go to Kansas Christian Church. What's Kansas Christian Church about? Oh, it's easy. Gather, grow, serve. They gather together. They grow together. They serve together. It tells people who we are. It tells people we're not the Lions Club. <laughs> you know, the Lions Club does great work. We're not the Lions Club. We do something else. It tells people we're not the local library. Local library does great work. Local library has a lot of wonderful resources. We're not the local library. It tells people we're not a laundromat. <laughs> we gather, grow, serve. This is what we do. This is how we do it. We bring people to Christ. How do you do that? We gather. We grow. We serve. Let me give you a little illustration to help you catch hold of this importance of vision. I don't know if you guys know this about me or not. I mean, we've known each other for a while, right? I don't know if you know this about me or not. I love food. How many of you knew that I love food? Did you know I love uh, Amy's hardly known me at all, and her hand was the first one up. Yeah, that guy likes to eat. <sighs> now, I don't know if you guys have tried this or not, but there is a particular kind of food that I'm very fond of. Maybe you've heard of these... I don't know, how many of you have ever tried a hamburger? Anyone like hamburgers? Okay, great. Some of you heard of hamburgers. Hamburgers are awesome. I love hamburgers. It's got everything I need right there in a hamburger. Now, I, I promised Tara. Tara is very hungry after running 37.14 miles yesterday. She's a little hungry. So, Tara, you're going to love this sermon. It's just all about food. So, how many of you have ever been out west, like California, have you ever eaten at a place called in and out Burger? Is there anyone who's been to in and out Burger? Look at that. There's a few of you who have been. Steve, you've been in and out Burger, right? You've been in and out Burger. in and out Burger is a small chain in California. I think there's only about 313 stores. It's a Christian-owned company. If you look at the bottom of the sacks or the bottom of the containers, you'll see Bible verses on them. It's a wonderful little thing that they do. Let me tell you what's on the menu. I can recite the menu from memory at In-N-Out Burger. Here's the menu. Hamburger. Cheeseburger. Fries, by the way. Fries. You stand there and watch them. They take a whole potato. They do this thing and fries come out. It's amazing. Hamburger. Cheeseburger. Fries. Shake. Soda. That's it. That is the entire menu at In-N-Out Burger. That is their vision. We have three things, they have five. Hamburger, cheeseburger, fries, shake, soda. Now knowing what you know about In-N-Out Burger right now, can you get a hot dog at In-N-Out Burger? No. Can you get a pizza at In-N-Out? No. Could you get a chicken sandwich? You can go to Chick-fil-A. Get a chi no, there's no chicken sandwich at In-N-Out Burger. That's all you get. That's all they do, and they do it very well. I think there's a lesson there for the church. Focus on the things that we can do and do them very well. Focus on one thing, keep it as simple as possible, and do it well. What do we focus on? We gather, we grow, we serve. That's what we do. Now, for those of you who know about In-N-Out Burger, for those of you who have... Show me again. Who's been to an In-N-Out Burger? Okay, I'm going to need some audience participation. What do us on the inside, what do those of us who have been, what do we know that no one else knows? Secret menu. Who said secret menu? Uh, well, my wife said secret menu. Secret menu. The first time I went to In-N-Out Burger, I thought, this is that special. What's so great about this? That, this isn't fun. This is just a burger. I didn't know about the secret menu, and I had to go back the next day and the day after that. 
Because you and I, unless we're insiders, we don't know about the secret menu. We don't know that if you walk up to the counter and you order a cheeseburger and then you say, make it animal style, that it comes out with grilled onions on top of it. And they, when they fry the patty, they put mustard on the burger and they fry the mustard into the burger and it is amazing when you get it that way. You can also order fries animal style with grilled onions and cheese on top of them and they are incredible. And you're not limited to just a cheeseburger. You can ask for a 3x3. Three three. That's three patties and three slices of cheese. And if you are young and healthy and very brave or maybe very, very hungry, you can actually ask for a 16x16. 16 16. That's a burger with 16 patties and 16 pieces of cheese on it. I don't recommend it. You have to present a note from your doctor saying you're okay. But you can do that. Why? Because within that narrow vision, there are options. And there is the opportunity to get creative with that narrow vision. Now, what does that tell us about Gather, Grow, Serve? You know, we've got an opportunity to provide lunches for kids, for high school kids, on Wednesdays. And during that time, they're going to be here in the church and they're going to pray. We're going to let them pray and they're going to let them meet and we're going to let them eat. We're going to feed them. We're going to treat them pretty special. Can we do that? Absolutely. That's gather, grow, serve. Uh, can, we have, uh, can we have a men's breakfast and, and have someone come in and speak to us? Absolutely. That's gather, grow, serve. We have people in our community that are struggling financially. Can we do a series on how to be uh, a little more... Uh, on how to be a little more financially secure and have a class on Wednesday nights that are going to teach them about debt-free living and even budgeting? Absolutely, that's gather, grow, serve. We can do that. We have people in our community who are hurting because they're family members who are suffering with addictions. Could we have a support group that meets, that takes care of those people and helps them deal with those struggles that they're having? Absolutely, that's gather, grow, serve. We're able to do that. The vision behind our mission enables us to focus, but it also enables us to get creative. And that's why our mission needs a strategy that works today. I don't remember much about that sermon that I first heard about the letter to Philadelphia. I don't remember much about that sermon, but I'm willing to bet it doesn't sound a lot like the sermon I'm preaching to you today. I'm willing to bet they didn't talk about In-N-Out Burgers. Uh, And I'm willing to bet that the crowd didn't look much like the crowd that I'm looking at today. Some of you were here. You look older today than you did then. That's okay. I look older today than I did back then also. Uh, But while the mission has changed, or while the mission is the same, that was 30 years ago, and while the mission is the same, Vision has to change, and the strategy to achieve that vision has to change. What worked in churches 30 years ago doesn't work today, doesn't always work today. Verse 11, he says, Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. What we have is not our traditions. What we have is not the strategy that we used 30 years ago. What we have is not the, what we have is Christ. How do we hold fast to Him today? How do we hold fast to that open door today? How do we 
how do we move in that with that message, with that love, and in that loyalty? The world's changed a lot in 30 years. 30 years ago, Sunday morning attendance. Sunday morning attendance was the indicator 30 years ago of the impact and reach of a church. How many did you have on Sunday morning? That told you exactly how well your church was doing. That is not the indicator today that it once was. Lives have changed, and the way we gather today isn't always the way that we gathered in the past. Let me give you an illustration, and I really hope this illustration works. Can you tell me where you were? Now, this only applies to some of you older people. Some of you younger ones, you're not, you know, just listen. <laughs> Can you tell me where you were on February 28th 1983. Can anyone tell me where you were February 28th, 1983? No? I know exactly where I was. I was across the road in the house where I live now, gathered around a television with about seven other guys, and we were watching the same thing that half of the population of the United States was watching. Does this picture help anybody? The last episode of MASH, February 28th, 1983, 121.6 million of us, half the population of the United States at that time, tuned in to watch that episode. At the same time, I mean, I don't know what the water pressure was like during commercial breaks, but it must have just been awful, you know, because we were all there watching it. Wherever you were, you watched it, you talked about it the next day. Now, one of Hannah's first days this summer as our intern, I told her about that. And I said, does your generation have anything that compares to half of the population of the country watching the same TV show at the same time? And she said, no, there's nothing that compares to that. Do you know why? Because this is her generation. Netflix. How many of you got Netflix? Anyone got Netflix? Okay, a few of you got Netflix. With Netflix, what do you do? You choose what you're going to watch, when you're going to watch it, and how you're going to watch it. You can watch it on your TV. You can watch it on your phone. It all depends. You can watch it in the bedroom. You can watch it in the living room. You can watch it in the bath. You can watch it in the bathroom. Uh, you can watch it anywhere you want. You can watch it when you want to watch. Trisha and I watch the same shows. Do we watch them at the same time? No. No, we don't. I'll watch a show, and then maybe a year later she watches it, and I can't talk about it until she's done. You know? That's, and she'll ask me questions. I was like, I'm not answering anything. This last month, we watched uh, Stranger Things, new, new series on Netflix. Steve, have you finished Stranger Things yet? No. I can't tell Steve how it ends. Everybody dies. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, but Hannah and I were watching it during the same week, but she got ahead of me, and I said, don't talk to me. Don't tell me what happens. Then I hurried up, and I finished. Grace and I finished it together, and then we had to hold that over on Hannah. You have to finish it now so we can finally talk about it. That is the generation that we live in now. No spoilers. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we have to talk about. And again, Sunday morning, Sunday morning is not the indicator in that kind of... Of a, of a reality in that kind of a context. It's not the indicator of life, involvement, and engagement it used to be. At the very best, during this summer, on Sunday morning, we've seen 120, 152 one Sunday. That's been, you know, that's been our very best, and that's wonderful. But we should never think that that is the full extent of our reach. So when Hannah 
started this summer, we decided to have an experiment. We wanted to see what we could do as far as reach and impact. We wanted to see what we could do with the church's Facebook page. Now at that time, our church Facebook page, which looks a little bit like this, our church Facebook page, 189 people liked it. And that's pretty good, right? 189 people somewhere in our community, in our area, somewhere in our world, 189 people said what Kansas Christian Church does, we like it. We're, in, we're behind them. We're in favor of Kansas Christian Church doing what they do. That was, that was pretty good. Now, at that time, mostly I would post my sermon links for people. We would post some upcoming events and we post some pictures and that was about it. And the question we had was, could we engage people in a more meaningful way and could we extend our reach and impact? And so I gave Hannah my sermon texts for every week. I gave her the themes that were coming up. And I gave her the freedom, we gave her the freedom to create, to get creative and create pictures and content to go along with the, uh, with the sermons and the themes. Some of these pictures you've seen, some of these have ended up on your bulletin covers from time to time because they worked out so well. Wake up and strengthen what remains. This picture impacted a lot of people. Don't write someone off before God has finished writing their story. That went along with one of our sermons. All of these pictures had a point behind them that led people to the sermon, that, 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 that led them into our message. And so we started posting things like that. And with that, with that also, also I told her, every week, five pictures. Every, every time we do get together, every time we gather, I want five pictures. Five pictures of the beautiful, happy, smiling faces that are behind Kansas Christian Church. And we posted those pictures and we tagged you and your friends saw them and your friends liked them and they thought it was great that you were finally going to church. You know, that was, that was kind of how that went. With that, the number of likes went from 189 to 326. 326 people who are saying, we like what Kansas Christian Church does. We're behind them. We are aware of them and we're behind them. In addition to that, let me just tell you about last week. Last week, our attendance was 113. We had 113 people in this building. That's wonderful. I mean, it was great to see everybody, and that's a wonderful thing. If you remember, last Sunday, I asked you, please log in on Facebook and tell people you're at Kansas Christian Church today. So your friends saw that, and they, they, some of them responded. Again, good job. I'm glad to see you got up early and you went to church. You know, they were happy for you. Your friends saw that. So, 113 in attendance last Sunday. But this previous week, through the entire week, our Facebook page has reached 3,399 people. 3,399 people who saw messages like this, simple little Scripture messages, simple little words of encouragement. They liked them. They shared them with their friends. They commented on them. It made an impact on them in one way or another. Videos alone, <laughs> thank you. Videos alone, is some, videos alone are something we've started playing with. Uh, and last Wednesday, we produced a video back here of me just describing what the Bible stick does and how it works. And, uh, and we did that live. We did a live video with just the Bible stick. Within 24 hours, that one little video, three minutes long, had impacted 1,110 people. And I started getting messages from other churches and other Christians around the country and around the world saying, how can we give? 
How can we give to this? How can we be a part of what your church is doing with the Bible sticks? That's the kind of impact that we have. Now, is that our whole strategy? Absolutely not. We, we can't have that be our whole strategy. But we would be foolish not to see that we can have an impact on people's lives together just by, just by doing that one thing. Jesus has given us an open door and we have to move through that open door in faith. Remember a few weeks ago when it got really, really hot? It got really, really dangerously hot and, uh, and we were contacted by the county at that time. And they wanted to know if we would still be available to be a cooling center. That if anybody in our county did not have uh, air conditioning and they were getting overheated, could they come to the Kansas Christian Church and could they, could they find some relief here? And we said, absolutely, we're available, let them come. And so the county put the word out that we were available. We put the word out. We posted on Facebook, hey, if you've got any friends or neighbors who don't have air conditioning, tell them to come to Kansas Christian Church. We'll keep them cool. We'll have, have a place where they can stay. Now, thankfully, everybody was fine. Nobody needed us, but that's okay. They knew that we were available. They knew what we were doing and that we were here to help people. And in that week alone, so many people shared that one little post that we actually reached 10 thousand people in one week. 10,000 people in our area and a little beyond it who knew that Kansas Christian Church cares about their neighbors. They care about their friends and they are available. That weekend, I got a message sent to me from Linda McKellar. Some of you guys remember, remember Linda? Linda attended church here before she moved. She saw that post and she said this, <clears throat> I need to tell you this. I need to tell you this. About 25 years ago, some of us formed a small group when we were going to church in Kansas. We did several Bible studies and prayed for Kansas. The Lord gave me a vision. A vision. Kansas will be a city on a hill, accepting the downtrodden, weary, and needy with the arms of Jesus. Seeing this come to pass is a joy for my soul. Thank you for being His instrument. That's a long vision, but it essentially says the same thing as that. We're going to gather. We're going to grow. We're going to serve. Together, we're holding fast to what He's given us. Together, we are moving through that open door. And together, we are making a difference in our community and in the lives of people near and far. Do you notice, notice the promise to the faithful here? Those who hold fast. He says in verse 12, the one who conquers... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. Now, what was it that fell on the people when the, when the earthquake hit in Philadelphia? The pillars fell. The, the buildings fell. And where did they go for safety? They went out. What does Jesus say? I will make him, the one who conquers, the one who holds fast, I will make him a pillar in my Father's temple. And never shall he go out of it. You will find safety here. You will find security here. And in fact, you will be like a pillar. You will be a source of strength and security for other people. And then what does he say on in the, the second half of that verse? He says, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. What, the new Philadelphia? The new, the, the new Caesar? No, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of, he out of heaven and my own new name. Jesus says, you're not going to wonder who you are 
You're not going to wonder what this community is. You're named after me. You will know, be known by my name, by my identity, by my reputation. If you remember from last week. You come to me, you hold fast to what I give you, and you find who you truly are. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we live in a time of, of great uncertainty and unrest. We wonder and we worry about the direction of our country and the hope of our nation. But we come to Your Word and we're reminded again that there is before us an open door that no one is able to shut. That door allows us to bring the message of Your Son to our friends, our neighbors, and even 10,000 people who knows where they are all around the world. Give us the wisdom to guide people through that door in this day, in this time, with the the vision that we need for today. We thank You for Your faithfulness and the blessing that You have already provided and will continue to provide. And it's in the name of Jesus, the name that we receive from Him, that we pray. Amen.